Christmas is like, you know, a, a drunk person holiday. I'm gonna, oh, it was Robin Williams who did this. He's like, I'm gonna take that tree and I'm gonna put it in my house. No, is it Jim Gaffigan? Is it Jim Gaffigan? Thank you. He's like, I'm gonna take the tree, I'm gonna put it in my house. I'm gonna take all of, I saw him live. I'm gonna take all of these lights and put them out here. My Your case, inflatable Santa in, can just go. My case Christmas. Go, just the rest of us are trying to make him love it. <laughs> in three, two, one, action. All right, so uh, welcome back to the show. Are we recording? <laughs> we've, yeah, been we've recording been recording <laughs> for about 10 minutes. We've been, there's no timer on there, so I don't know how long we've been recording. But um, uh, welcome back to- three minutes. For three okay. minutes. So welcome back to Fade In. Uh, this is the show where we talk about the movies we make and the movies we love. I think that's backwards from what I usually say. I'm Tess. And I'm Chris, and I just sat down. This chair was like, please don't murder me. And I was like, too late. You already screeched. With Full the, force. With Full the background force. of Mike and, and Tom talking about how much they don't like Christmas. So, Oh, I, ne- I never said that. No, he never said I, that. I never this was said, just a back and you know. forth. And Kate's, Kate's up here representing Christmas with all her Christmas cheer outfit, for those who can't see. She's got okay. the leggings, and she had the sweater. And oh, the sweater's just penguins, though. Well, that's kind of Well, it's seasonal. Well, that is not what our show's about today, because yeah. even though we are uh, recording in the Christmas time, you won't hear this till the new year, so happy new year, everybody. If we're still here, uh, how you doing, guys? It's uh, Y2K. Is it going to get good? <laughs> but uh, on today's show, we are talking about uh, pursuing film without film school. Essentially, uh, we're here talking to Mike Rabel, who you've heard a lot from uh, just now. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to our previous episode, the Blues Clues, uh, Steve Solves a Murder episode, uh, he plays Steve, the uh, hard-boiled detective. Hard-boiled. You mean him hard-boiled. No. Is what's that? Not soft boiled. No. Not soft boiled because soft boiled would just be, uh, you know, runny or raw. Is that what soft boiled is? Let's he, move on. Anyway, <laughs> I, I I thought he was more sunny side up. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't heard it, go back. It's the episode uh, released just before this. Oops, I just hit my mic. Um, we are talking to Mike Rabel today, new member of Connecticut Filmworks, who would like us to refer to him as a fellow human being. Hello, fellow human. <laughs> um, we also have here from our last episode, because we're recording two in a row, people, uh, we have Kate Schaefer. Also, also fellow human being. <laughs> a real biological female. <laughs> <laughs> if any of us had, had a question about that. And we got Tom. Tom didn't like that information. <laughs> Tom just like made a He's very like, frightened face. We're, uh, and Tom is here, too, so you'll hear yes, him. Yes, hello. Hello. And uh, you'll hear also him on the mic. a fellow human being. But uh, we're talking to uh, Mike today about doing some filmmaking without film school. Uh, Super cool stuff comes out of that. Um, And we're going to hear about what he's working on a little bit later. He's worked on a bunch of stuff with Connecticut Filmworks. But before we... (laughs) Chris is confusing our visual audience. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about what we have been watching. And I, I see Chris is cracking his fingers. He is ready to go. And I know Mike's seen a bunch of stuff lately. So as our guest, Mike, what have you been watching? Lady Bird. I've been watching Lady Bird also. Yeah, that movie is probably going to make it into my top five at this point. It's just so well done. 
Is it better than Justice League? I don't think so. I think <laughs> Justice League can go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lady Bird. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, um, for those who haven't seen it yet, what give like a short synopsis of what is Lady Bird? Well, Lady Bird is basically a movie about a seventeen-year-old um, girl who is going through her senior year in a Catholic high school in uh, California. I can't remember the name of it. Sacramento. 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 Thank, Thank you. you yeah. Um, and it's it's just it reminded me of my teens. Um, it was so real, but at the same time, not so real that you felt uncomfortable by it. Yeah. Um, it felt relatable. Yeah. Very not relatable. Like, not so identical to your own experience that you were triggered. <laughs> yeah, that's how I, yeah. I'm sure, sure they Catholic high school. No, I'm sure no, just the, the hijinks she went to. Yeah. So you might get triggered by yes. it. I went to an all girls Catholic high school. I mean, I, but uh so so you've been watching Lady Bird and yeah. you're you're a big big fan of big it fan. and and I saw it too and I I completely agree. I think uh, the pacing of it is really good too. I just want to point that out cuz that's very important to yeah. why it's so good to me. It I don't want to say the scenes are short cuz they're just the right length of time that they need yeah. to be, but it just jumps through that year, and you, I never felt lost by it. Yeah, it's just pacing is so great. We talked about that in in one of our episodes. I think the first episode of or the second episode of the season, um, with Evan, our editor, and we talked about how important that is because if if it's off, you're pulled out of the story, and I think as, either by boredom or confusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Lady Bird, I agree with you. I think it just keeps you in the story and keeps you paying attention. So if you haven't seen Lady Bird, go see it. We're not sponsored, but if you'd like to sponsor us, <laughs> go right ahead. Uh, so, so Chris, what have you been watching? Bunch of things, too many things. But the thing I really want to talk about is I watched the pilot of Riverdale. <gasps> I talked about um, that. Oh, Kate's getting real excited too. I talked about that as my thing that I watched last episode. Chris. No, actually, I, I don't actually really care for the show, but I'm from Riverdale. Like, that's my hometown's name. Oh. So when I see it talked about, I'm like, I live in Riverdale. Now, is it the same? Is it like based, supposed to be based on? No, the Archie comics, because actually I watched the show and it takes me out of it because the girl's like, yeah, I just moved here from New York. And I'm like, Riverdale, Riverdale's in New York. <laughs> so I did. I was sorry. I interrupted you. All right, you all right, really Chris. Cute. You got this one in the chamber. All right, drop it. All right, I'm gonna preface this a little bit. Making a show is hard. I get it. It's a lot of people. I'm sure you all worked hard on it. Uh, I'm gonna start with the a- positive. Aiming down his sights now. Making a show is hard, and I'll give it, I'll give it some. I'll give us things I liked first. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely stunningly gorgeous. The the yeah. cinematography is one of the most beautiful shows I've ever seen. The score is amazing. The performances are amazing. By all accounts, this show should be phenomenal. But then it just, and maybe it's because I don't really know the context and I'm not familiar with the comics and the original material and where it came from. But in my opinion, the writing just falls off the cliff. Wait, I'm reloading? (laughs) My biggest issue with it was it, the writing, especially in the dialogue, seemed to be a lot of function over quality. There was like, it, it, it's a lot of just tropes on tropes on tropes. It's you, you have like your typical small town, sm- small suburban town show. Like, it's a teen drama yeah. at its core. It's a teen teen yeah, soap opera. But it's like a you have you have the corny scenes where like oh the 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 
white girl is so upset she squeezes her hands that there's little 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 scratch marks on her how hard she squeezes her hands because it's so upsetting to her that this other girl is 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 saying some vaguely mean things and and I was just like there just seemed to be a lot better choices that could have been made here that could have illustrated the same beats much better. The show starts with like a voiceover and 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 it's basically like hi uh that's that's me on the screen oh boy am i not a guy like <laughs> and i'm just like well you you, you could have just done something that tells me that instead and, and it's like oh and and oh and this is river riverdale and and this is the high school and boy it's a high school and i'm like <laughs> oh okay and then it's, it's like <laughs> it's narrated for those who haven't seen it it's narrated by archie's friend Jughead, who's a writer, and it's the beginning and the end of each episode are bookended by his narration because right. he's writing a book about the murder that right. this show is and, uh, based oh, around. Oh boy, I'm I'm the character who's writing the story that you're watching. Bet you've never seen that before. <laughs> That's okay. It's it's like um, the Chris the is like so. <laughs> I was very upset watching this um, yesterday. Like underneath uh, the the poor execution, I feel like is a is is an amazing show, but the execution just like steers it off a cliff, and it's it's so upsetting to me because I'm like, oh, this is like almost great, but then when they speak, I just wanna mm-hmm. break my TV in two. Um, <laughs> it's just like it just for me. I, I've I've seen a little bit of the show. Something that we're not really talking about is sort of the meta humor of, you know, it's this kind of dark, edgy teen drama. Based on, on a funny right, comic, right? Yeah, based on this little thing, kind of yeah. like a noir set in Blue's Clues. <laughs> oh, yeah. COVID! Go listen to our previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think they, I, I don't think it's a given that people are just going to be like, oh, I know what Archie is, and I know what it's it is and what it's not. Yeah, and I think it could do a better job of maybe giving something to someone who doesn't know what Archie is. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, that is the show. So that's really interesting. But we'll have to... Right. I know that you have no desire to watch the rest of the season, but if you do, it does get interesting. But the kind of resolution that happens at the end of the season is a really interesting twist that I think redeems what you don't like about the show. So I would suggest you watch it all the way through, but based on your twitching over there and your reaction, I don't think you can handle it. It's just very disappointing, and especially given my expectations, I, like, was very upset watching it yesterday. Just rewrite the dialogue a little bit. Yeah. So so you're not a fan, and that's okay. And this has been... Uh, Chris's weekly general grievances. So um, I'm going to talk about really quickly what I've been watching because it's been interesting. Recently, I've been checking out this other show on Netflix called uh, Big Mouth. I don't know if you guys have... Everybody's nodding. Everybody's nodding. And for those who don't know what the show is, it's an animated uh, feature or an animated show like twenty minute something episodes and um standard, standard television. Standard television. And it's um about these kids going through puberty, turning, you know, twelve year olds or something, and it's just painfully 
relatable about how painful and disgusting and awkward being 12 years old is and like the guys have this imaginary horn mo- horny oh, monster. Has. Well, we're not sure if the hormone monster is imaginary. Yeah, yeah the hormone monster it? may not be imaginary, but, but it, the women, the girls, girls and the boys have, have yeah. it. And the girls' hormone monster is voiced by Maya Rudolph, which yes. is amazing. Bye. And it's Bye. it's. Let's take a bias. <laughs> I I haven't watched a lot of. I think it's like three or four episodes, and it's just. So awkward, but so good and realistic. And it's just like their bodies are doing weird shit. And you're like, yes. That happens. <laughs> that happens. My favorite line from it is, it's it's just so embarrassing, but we're 13 and everything's embarrassing. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it, it just, it stuck with me watching the show. And it seems like a lot of people watch it and, and relate to it. Have you seen it at all, Chris? I have not. I'm going to watch it because uh, embarrassing teenagers are uh, always a delight. Therapy by overexposure. There you go. Overexposure. Hi, this is Tess Pelicano, and you're listening to Fade In. If you like what you've been hearing so far, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. You can also rate us and leave a review as it helps rank us among other podcasts. Now back to the show. So on today's show, we are talking to Mike Rabel, new member of Connecticut Filmworks, director. Uh, Well, you are a director now, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Suave guy. All around suave guy. He's wearing a uh, Slytherin beanie today. It's it's all in all black. It's you I know my nice Italian scarf that I think looks pretty banging. It's very um. You're punk. ready to walk on set, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm always ready to walk on set. That should be your epitaph. I, always ready to walk I on keep, set. I keep a lens cleaning cloth in my pocket at all times, and I'm always wearing black, so it's all good. What you just said, Twitter <laughs> bio, right there. <laughs> Seriously. So uh, give our audience a little background on how you got into filmmaking and why. So when in 1999, uh, I was 10 <laughs> and I saw The Matrix. I honestly looked and I was like, I, I need to do something like this. Then three years later, when I was 13, I, I saw Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs roughly in the same amount of time, like period. I saw Pulp Fiction first and then was like, I need to go watch more of this guy's work. Um, and Quentin Tarantino then became like a god amongst men to me. I was like, geez, this guy knows what he's doing. These are the best things I've ever seen. And like even now at 28, 15 years later, since I saw those movies the first time, I, I they still, still hold up. Yeah, I, I still feel like they're just as good as they were when I was a kid, except now I take different lessons from them and stuff like that. So those are some of the reasons I, I always wanted to, to do film. So that really inspired you to, to want to, create in the same way yeah so what is your experience i as i introduced you as a new connecticut filmworks yeah. member what is your experience before connecticut filmworks what how did you so i took a, i took a like av classes in high school i i did um i did some theater stuff with people like just on and off stage stuff nothing too committed to it but i i was set to start to try and go to a film school and um Unfortunately, I started to get sick. I have a chronic illness, so it took like 10 years of recovery. I had everything set to go to film school, and I never got to do it. But now that I'm 10 years later, and I'm like, all right, let's do this again. 
You never lost lost the uh, desire to do it. No, yeah. no. It's a whole new perspective as you get older and think about things differently. That gap of the 10 years, I, I guess my question would be what kind of perspective on to this type of work does that give you? Do you use that in your work? Do you not use that? Is there a layer of that that percolates into the kind of movies you want to make? Uh, in terms of writing, I mean, like I used to, I used to plot out some like science fiction type things, obviously, because I was inspired by the Matrix, which is something I still want to do later on down the line. But my experience of dealing with a decade of illness and not being able to really pursue any true life goals, it, it, it's a lot of inspiration to draw on to try and tell some of those kind of stories. And I know there's a lot of people out there that suffer, and I just don't want them to feel alone. And I know that's a noble thing, and I'm sure a lot of people felt the same way that when, like, when I watched some of their movies, and I, I definitely felt it. It also helped me think. I spent a lot of time because I was there was a lot of downtime watching movies, and I just picked them apart. Like it's funny, I, I you did your own film school, yeah, because I've analyzed um, Silence of the Lambs, and I've seen it a bunch of times, and I've I've broken it down just on my own whim, and then I find out, and I start talking to other people who go to film school, and they're like, oh yeah, they made us watch that, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> kind of run so I could run circles around you with my knowledge of Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> so the the moral of this story is, who needs film school? <laughs> I, what I think film school really gives you the most, though, is uh, is is connection. Um, but we're at all the pointing same at Chris because Chris is Chris is a film. I school went to graduate. school with Chris, and, and Kate, Kate is <laughs> yeah. also a film school graduate. But I I, I want to like dive a little bit into, into oh this idea of film okay. school. Yeah, uh, because we have here a lot of interesting perspectives to that. Tess, yeah, you went to college, but yep. not film school. Mike, you didn't go to film school. Kate and I went through pseudo film school. Not really. It wasn't. I was never taught how to edit. Like it was. It was a lot of writing movies. And And Tom, Tom is finishing his film school right now. Oh, Tom! Senior year. So I want to just sort of ask everybody: How do you all feel film school or the schooling you have went through has benefited or not benefited your work? Honestly, I think I think it depends. I think the a lot of different things at my school. Uh, it's really just unorganized and it kind of expects you to be good at a specific set of skills even before you come in. Anybody uh, else think of Liam Nielsen yeah. just then? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, the way I would have preferred it, which is the way that, you know, an NYU type school kind of does it is you do not get access to a camera for three years basically like like you don't like no hands-on training with any of that stuff until uh at least junior year uh my school is like hey you're gonna be given some technical training like right away and it's and they just kind of bombard you with it and it's like okay i'd i'd actually really like to focus on more theory for a while and then once i'm comfortable uh then i can you know Do what I need to do. See, I, I much, I much prefer getting bombarded. Yeah, I'd much prefer getting my feet wet and just getting a hold of it and start yeah. working, regardless of what position I'm on. Yeah, and learning being on set. Learning yeah. being because yeah. it, because practice is a lot more important. Okay, uh, that's and I think, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to emphasize that. I think that one way is better than the other in terms of just generally like, oh, this is the way you should do it. 
it would have been better for me if that's how I would have been educated because I think theory and sort of the practical knowledge of, of film go so hand in hand that I don't think that one form of training or one form of education is, is uh, better than the other. There's definitely, you can definitely read books and watch movies and get it yourself, but I would argue that it is a, a, a much bigger commitment to study film theory yourself than it is to learn the technical aspect yourself. Uh, I would argue that learning to use the gear is is easier on your own as opposed to with a class than uh, learning theory on your own as opposed to with a class. So the reason that I went into film school in this unique way and I picked the writing program over typical film school was because I said, I can learn how to operate a camera. I can pull up the manual. I can do it. And I did. Um, mm. And and then what I want to learn in a class, what's most important to me is to write and to tell good stories because That's you, you can make the most film. beautiful and best scored and best acted show if if your story isn't there hashtag riverdale um, (laughs) then it can all fall apart yeah for me i like to learn from somebody else talking Mm -hmm. at me and practicing with them which i think also works in an environment of what mike's talking about just being on set and having somebody consciously say to you this is how this works this is why we're doing this which I think is the same kind of environment you get in college. But um, the thing that I like about professors uh, or about being in that classroom setting is the fact that they're explaining this is how this works. This is how you could do it. This is how this could work. But that that situation and that experience can also be translated to the um, to being on set and learning by osmosis. Find an environment where whether it's film school or just a class of production or or just finding some friends on the internet that seems dangerous don't do it on craigslist guys but um you know finding Unless those you make uh, a documentary about <laughs> craigslist yeah i'm tied to jobs on craigslist <laughs> we're all gonna get murdered um <laughs> but my point is that like you need to find whether it's film school or finding these community event classes or environments or organizations or whatever you need to find that group of people who you can feel like they are as inspired as you are. They are as passionate as you are and they're motivated to do it also. Hey, this is Chris and I'm just quickly interrupting to tell you that you are listening to Fade In and if you like what you've been hearing so far, then don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. It helps rank us among other podcasts and, you know, is nice. It warms my heart sometimes at night. Now back to the show. Yeah, I think that there's so much from our conversation, too, for our audience to to take from, that there's so many options for you to be successful in filmmaking, but it's really about loving the work and doing the work and continuing to do it. So let's talk about what, since Mike is our guest today, what have you been working on? I've been working on my television show, What Am Comedy. Uh, can on- I plug that? Facebook.com slash what am comedy. Yes. Uh, uh, at CTV 192 in Newtown. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what the show's about and what inspired you to do it. So it's a show where um, I have a bunch of local comedians who do, you know, 
stand. They start with open mic, but they they also have like paid gigs, and uh, they are stand up comedians. And I've always been into comedy. That's like a it's a I adore it. I watch stand up a lot. I I love the theory of it. I like talking about it with them. Um, I did a bit of stand up like once, and I want to go and do it again. What I wanted to do was go okay. This channel already has a show for musicians, a show for local theater. Let's let's get these people some recognition. Let's put them out there because comedy is very important, but it's also underappreciated in a lot of these talent type shows. It's not thought of as like as like nice. As, yeah, as an art. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's not as, as an, an art. It, it's in a gritty art. basement with it brick is, on the wall. One could say it's a class system. <laughs> oh, it is an art. Um, I, I think a common misconception is we think that stand-up comedians just walk out on stage and just start talking. Like that they're making it up on the spot. They rehearse these jokes. They'll go to open mics and they do them over and over again. Some of them even tell the jokes themselves in the mirror. Like they record it and they send it out. Some people workshop them on Twitter. It's not an easy thing to yeah. do. So I wanted them to talk about that and I wanted it to be in a very real way. So my host is actually a stand-up comedian in the area and he interviews the other comedian guests and... Um, I think hopefully by this episode goes up, we're going to have a very interesting hour special that we're doing. So, so check out the the What Am Comedy uh, Facebook page for that. Yeah. And uh, you even jump in. You direct the show direct and produce the show. the show. Yep. But you jumped in as host uh, real quick. So that's uh, that's fun to watch, too. You have too many titles is really what this is. We're telling you. Yeah, everybody. I do. Too many titles. Way too many titles in this show. You're Indie the Tommy Wiseau of what I'm coming. Oh! <laughs> I said he's You're the tearing Tommy me Wiseau. apart, Matthew. I saw. I actually saw the Disaster Artist, I and I was very disappointed. The book is so much better. I'm sure. Is it? Yeah. yeah. The, they, the movie is so fast, and it's is just it? like on to the next scene all the time. And I'm like, but there were such good jokes there. I, yeah. I, I think everything you need to know in the Disaster Artist can, in terms of the movie, obviously you can read the book, but you can pretty much figure it out by watching interviews and watching the room and you'll get a very good grasp of what this is about because it's a it, that's a crazy story i can't even get into it now but it's, i love yeah. it there's tommy wiseau's there's a <laughs> there's a great interview on the what the fuck podcast uh hosted by mark Marin. he talked to james franco for like almost 2 hours about the disaster movie. So I would... Uh, if, disaster if, artist. The disaster <laughs> artist. Yeah, the movie, the disaster, disaster artist. Movie. The disaster movie. The disaster movie. Um, but he uh, it's a great interview and really eye-opening. So if you're interested in that, I would definitely recommend listening to the interview. But um, so, Mike, what is what are your hopes for that show moving forward for What Am Comedy? The show is basically like trying to help me hone some um, skills in terms of learning what kind of composition I want for it, some basic editing tricks. I don't want to be an editor, but I want to also be able to sit there and piece together things well enough that I can go, this is what I want from this. Go make this for me with an actual editor. You know what I mean? And I want to put it on a resume too, because I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. It's been getting better every episode for sure. You're experimenting. and I, I always and, experiment yeah. with that show. I just yeah. like doing it. That's why. I think that's the theme in every filmmaker said. I just like doing it, so I'm just going to yeah, do that's it. that's pretty much it. Yeah. I can't stop, guys. I can't stop. There are things, obviously, that I want from it, clearly. But really, I'm doing it because I want to do it. Yeah. 
Awesome. So um, what are your filmmaking goals or career goals in the industry? What do you want to do ultimately? Should here? we do that one around the room? Um, but yeah, yeah, I think since we've been talking, we've had a lot of voices on this show. So I think let's go around the room and, and ask and ask that. But uh, we'll go to you, Mike, first, since you're our title guest today. So um, one day I would like to um, co-write a script with someone. As much as I want to do it on my own, I do believe that scripts need to be kind of worked a little bit with other eyes before you can really make them great. Writing um, is a solitary sport, but rewriting is a team sport. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, but mainly I, I want to direct because I've I've already had movies that I've kind of sketched out and outlined in on paper um, that I, I can literally see in my head how I shoot that shot, how I'd get. Awesome. That oh, Mike, we're already over budget. Like Tom's got the papers. <laughs> we're calling him all the studios. We, we can't do a six three shoot of the scene for the studio. I'll get a second mortgage on it's my house. Real Hollywood movie. This is a fantasy this where Mike's house. Hollywood this is a real Hollywood movie. It's a real Hollywood movie. movie. <laughs> uh, I didn't hit her. I didn't do it. I did not. I did. That's I did bullshit. Not. I did not do it. I did not. So, so Kate, what about you? What do you hope um, to do? I would like to be a writer, but I also like. I always, ever since I was little, I would write myself into things. Yeah. So I, I would be like the fan fiction of writing your person into the story. <laughs> Like Kumail so, Nanjiani yeah. when he wrote with his wife that yeah, the, the big, big sick. sick. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would only be an actor if I wrote it myself. So I guess that's the goal. Yeah, because but. you know the tone that you want to act. So yeah. it, it'll be natural for you. Cool. Tom, you'd like to graduate? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the main goal right now, just to graduate, just to get past whatever barriers left are there before the gatekeepers are like okay you can put this on your resume now and not be a fraud that's that's the goal to not be a fraud i think that's our uh, episode title the goal is not to be a fraud what's making you a fraud though uh everything my my complete identity is a lie okay yeah so the goal is for tom to graduate and to not be a fraud make things that he loves i i'm assuming are you looking into like writing like Kate was or yeah, directing yeah. or not so much directing. I'm not, I'm not really into production as, as much as, as the writing part of it, but like, it's definitely an important component. The storytelling. You're definitely yeah, into storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Ahead, sorry, okay. Kate? That's something that I love about writing. Cause you guys were like, well, what do you want to do for my script? And I was like, just do whatever about it. Because like I, if I, my, yeah. Yeah, if I make words down, I could give it to three different people and have three yeah. different movies. <laughs> yeah, if I write my words, if I make down. words, no, I like I've got the, the best no, words. I've got the best, best words. So close to not having that reference. Kate just became the main guest. No, no, that's what I love about writing because it's like I could give my scripts to three different people and have totally three different scenes or movies. And I think that's so great because that's what I also love about plays because it can change who directs it. Because yes. like, they just keep evolving and I love that about them. Like movies, it's set, it's solid. But a play, you can just keep adapting it and you just keep making it new yeah. or having you spin on it. So always, always doing better, always growing and always making things better. Yeah. So now that we got super deep on this show, <laughs> today we talked about film school and 
creating without film school and if you have any plugs and we're going into plugs and if you have any comments about it we had a really lovely discussion which i think is is exciting uh with the different perspectives if you have any comments um hit us up on facebook at connecticut filmworks or leave us a review here on itunes and let us know what you think uh, or what you're doing in terms of creating and this uh, is the review you're gonna leave verbatim i want to see this on the itunes page i'm gonna look uh uh-uh. um, this is one of the greatest, most profound shows I've ever seen, and uh, hashtag Tom for host. Period. Tom for host. I want to see that verbatim. Oh, don't don't put that responsibility on me, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's just like unwanted. Listen, the people spoke. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but um, oh, we should just swap shares right now. YouTube like, comment, and subscribe. YouTube like, comment, subscribe, share all the things, all the all the verbs that those those kids say. Fine. Oh wait, prescribe no, to us. Uh, prescribe to us at the pharmacy. Follow me on Instagram. Our Facebook page is is Connecticut Filmworks, and if you want to check out the work we've done so far, the shorts we've done. By the time this comes out, our Batman scene workshop, which is very exciting, will be on there and uh, we'll have Everything more. Everything goes according to plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we're only thinking positively here at the show. There's a lot of really cool shorts on there that all of us have worked on and we talk about in this season of the show. So uh, check it out. Connecticut Filmworks, YouTube, and Facebook, and like us, share us, comment everything here on iTunes because it helps other people see our show and listen to this craziness. Well, that is our show for today. Check us out online, and we will see you next time. Next time, somebody else will be here. (laughs) We don't know who it is yet, but we'll find out. (laughs) See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Is this thing still on?